everyone. Welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am everyone's favorite co-host, the Caleb G. As of this recording, Michael is away having fun at Winterfest. So I have a very special guest in our virtual interview loft tonight, someone I am very pleased and thrilled to be speaking with again, Mr. Rich Baker. How we doing, Rich? Hi, Caleb. Uh, I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be here. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time with me this evening. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's, it's my pleasure. You know, I love talking to you guys. I had a lot of fun at uh, Arcade Con back a, a couple months ago, so it's great to uh, circle around again, touch, touch base yeah. with you guys. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming to Acaticon last year in 2015. We are doing Acaticon again this year, 2016. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but tonight we are not here to talk about Acaticon. Uh, lucky that Michael isn't here because he would just derail the conversation. Uh, <laughs> tonight we are here to talk about a very special project that Sasquatch Game Studio is putting together over on Kickstarter. Uh, Rich, why don't you tell us what's going on? Sure. Well, right now we are currently kickstarting our ultimate scheme board game. Basically, uh, here's the here, here's the shot, uh, the, the premise. Uh, you are an evil genius, or perhaps a criminal mastermind. Uh, you might be somebody like uh, Professor Roboto, or the sinister organization Wraith, or perhaps the Cult of Tentacly Doom. Your mission is to take over the world uh, by accomplishing your secret ultimate scheme. Um, and that's going to be a, essentially a a special victory condition like become a god, destroy rock and roll, ruin Christmas, uh, all sorts of crazy things that like master villains come up with as their big plans. Uh, so you get a chance to uh, move your minions around the world, gather criminal resources, carry out nefarious plots like creating a dance craze, uh, zombies, uh, nuclear extortion, uh, plundering the doomsday vault, all kinds of crazy things that, that villains do and in, in, uh, in movies of that sort. And uh, basically, the first uh, villain to pull off their ultimate scheme wins the game. Uh, it's a ton of fun, and uh, as I mentioned, we're kickstarting it right now. And and man, we'd we'd love to love people to come on by and check out the page. I was lucky enough to sit down and play a test version of Ultimate Scheme at a Catacon last year, so I can tell you all from personal experience. This is one hell of a fun game. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very silly and entertaining. But there's a lot of really good gameplay strategy to it. Uh, it's a little bit like Risk. Uh, there's definitely a resource management element to it. There is a lot of things happening on the game board. And uh, this is a game that definitely needs to be on your game shelf. So absolutely swing over to Kickstarter dot com and check out the ultimate scheme page uh, this is one of those games that uh, you're definitely playing against all of your friends at the table and you might uh, you might risk those friendships uh, specifically from a catacon uh, we almost came to blows over a certain ninja <laughs> oh yes uh, the ninja is kind of one of my favorite features of the game uh one of the things about Ultimate Scheme is you spend a lot of time collecting relatively routine criminal resources like gathering up finance tokens, gathering up uh, occult tokens, gathering up science tokens. Uh, but there's only one ninja in the game, and only one player can have the ninja at a time. Uh, and it was uh, something that uh, my wife, who is uh, otherwise one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, uh, got so frustrated with this in an early playtest that uh, she finally kind of threw her hands up in the air and said, you should just call this game the blankety-blank-blank-blank blank, blank ninja. And I... <laughs> 
I said, well, that's uh, that that's great, but I probably can't put that on the cover, you know, or at least I got to <laughs> think about where I'm going to sell it if we do that. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so that's kind of our private nickname for the game is the blankety blank, you know what, ninja. <laughs> but, but that being said, Ultimate Scheme is really, really fun. It's got that great competitive element. Uh, but like I said earlier, there's a lot of strategy to it. It's not just picking up pieces and spending them. There are a lot of different elements uh, about playing off of the other players, planning out where you're going to send your minions across the board, uh, unlocking certain locations that are secret, uh, and, and getting to where you need to go. Th this is a relatively simple game to learn. Uh, Rich, I, I think you taught the four of us to play Ultimate Scheme in about 10 minutes. Yeah, it's not that uh, not that tough. No, no, which I love. Uh, I love board games like this. First off, I just love great board games in general. As much as this is the RPG Academy, I love sitting down with my friends and family with a, a fun board game, and, and Ultimate Scheme is exactly that. It's really easy to pick up and learn. There's no crazy mechanics that you have to read 20 minutes through the rule book to figure out. Uh, but then there is that level of complexity and strategy that you figure out as you're playing. Yeah, one of the things I'm actually really proud of about the game is it is very definitely a sort of Euro-style game as far as like the sensibilities of, of, of turn sequencing and, and when players go and the way players interact. If I were to think of games that it's like, uh, I would say if you imagine something that's maybe about... Uh, uh, halfway between, let's say, Lords of Waterdeep and Illuminati with just a little dash of Pandemic thrown in. And then you put on top of that a fun skin of, of zany villainy. And uh, you kind of get to where the, the, the game is. The, it's essentially a, uh, a a worker placement type mechanic where you're trying to figure out where to move your guys to get the resources you need to do the things you need to do. But the, the really uh, fun part, this is actually kind of funny. This is a, a refinement to the game that we made actually uh, right before Akatacon. I uh, changed the turn sequence so that it became possible for players to deplete the resources in a in a site uh, in turn order. So if two or three people wound up in, let's say, London all at the same turn, the first guy to collect resources in London would actually use up London for the turn. So all of a sudden, uh, and I observed this at Akatacon, you, you guys were actually one of the first groups that I got to really try this out on. It makes it so that a game which... Which, you know, it was a fun game before. It was kind of a little bit of a of four or five people sitting at the table together, each trying to solve their puzzle the most efficient way. But once you threw in that, that idea that you could actually scoop the resources out from under somebody else who needed them, uh, that really kind of brought the game out. That's where we started getting the, the real hard strategy, the, the fun amount of kind of replayability and player interaction that we kind of wanted to see, right? The, it was a chance, to, as I put it, to... A chance to really throw sharp elbows in the game all of a sudden was like paying attention to the, the turn order and saying, oh, I see, you know, you're here in London, I'm here in London, but I'm ahead of you in the turn order. I'm going to get the stuff in London and you're going to get, you're, you're going to get shut out this turn. And, you know, silly you for going there. That is definitely one of the things I really enjoyed about the game when we played it. Uh, I Speaking from personal experience, I didn't pick up on that as quickly as I should have in our game so i was behind the the resource count quite a bit um I, I was moving my minions to the wrong places and and grabbing things in the wrong turns because uh one of the parts about this game is when you move your minion tokens around the board in that part of the turn order 
then, if I remember correctly, in a later part of the turn order, it's when you start collecting resources and doing things. Yep. So it's not just move your piece, get the thing next turn. You're strategically putting your pieces around, and it's it's kind of a uh, a, a bluff game because you're trying to outthink the other players. Who's going where? Who's going to act next? Why is this guy putting his minion there? Is he going to use one of his special cards to attack me in some way? Is he going to try to just get the resources ahead of me? Is he going to use one of the uh, special features or powers of his faction? What's going on? So so there's a, a nice level of deception and maybe bluffing the people you're playing with. While you're still trying to pay attention to, okay, I need finance resources, I need occult resources, there's a lot of levels to this game. But the game is really, really fun. It, it's it's not a chore to play this game. It's not a, oh, I need to remember what to do. Oh, I did my turn wrong. Even when you screw up a turn, you still end up laughing and enjoying what's happening because, like you said, Rich, elbows are getting thrown in this game. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny, yeah, yeah. One of the fellows that I, I first worked with when I started in the business, uh, uh, I actually got started in, in the game biz a long time ago. I actually worked at uh, TSR uh, back in the uh, 90s. And uh, a game designer there by the name of Bruce Nesmith, uh, who's uh, well known as a, a guy involved in a lot of like, uh, oh, like things like the Ravenloft campaign setting and a bunch of other great stuff from back in the day. Uh, Bruce gave me some of the kind of best game design advice I think I ever got in one spot. And it was simply... Uh, every game needs hard choices, right? That a game, uh, a, a board game needs to have a point where you sit there and say, I can't tell what I should do now, right? I need to have something I can really think about. If everything's really obvious what you should be doing, well, you know, that's not bad. That can be fun too. But but a really good game is one that makes you really sweat something and say, darn it, I, I don't have all the stuff to do everything I want to do every turn. I got to make some real priority choices. I got to figure out which is the thing I'm, I'm going to try and do this turn and and plan to set myself up so that I can try and get the uh, the real payoff later on. So that's been a little kind of a mantra in my, my game design career ever since that I've always tried to figure out a way to, to put that, to build that into the games I design. That is a great philosophy, something I never really thought about, but is absolutely true. And Ultimate Scheme has that in spades. Uh, when we were playing the first four or five rounds were really slow. I think we were learning what was going on, reading our cards, kind of figuring out what our choices and what those consequences might actually be. And then someone just cracked the seal and we all just went crazy <laughs> kind of attacking each other and and trying to really, uh, really compete to, to get our goals accomplished. Why don't we talk a little bit about the Kickstarter here so people can hear what is going on. Um, As of right now, when we are recording this, uh, we've got about three weeks left to go in the campaign. You're about a third of the way there. Um, You're you're making great progress. The page looks great. You've got some, um, some great YouTube video links so people can see the game being played. Uh, There's a lot of artwork that is on display there, which I, I love seeing. Uh, is the artwork and uh, the pictures and everything we're seeing uh, your final drafts, or are those still being worked on? Uh, it's actually uh, pretty close. Uh, there, there's a couple places where we sort of uh, 
we sort of faked like the exact layout of the cards in a couple of spots. Um, but the, the actual art images themselves, those are, uh, those are finals. We have, uh, uh, Claudio Pozas, uh, uh, our artist for the, uh, for all the cards. Uh, he is, uh, working like crazy on it right now. We have, gosh, uh, about 75 different final images in and really only about another 25 or 30 to go. So as we're kind of wrapping up the campaign, uh, Claudio is down in Rio. Uh, he, he's from Brazil, uh, and he's, he's working, uh, furiously, uh, uh, illustrating away the remainder of the of the cards, um, but for example, things like uh, some of the faction leader art that you, we've shown off, those are finals. Um, like I said, we we did indeed uh, uh, cheat a little bit on some of the uh, uh, some of the card layouts are not quite the uh, not quite final because that's that's still in typesetting now. We just had to kind of doctor up something to show off what uh, kind of demonstrated what we were going for. But yeah, by and large, uh, you know what you see is is what you get. The cards, even the ones we faked, are, are not that far off of the the real ones that are uh, that you'll get when you get the game. And everything we played with last year at a Catacon was superb. It, it didn't feel like a a trial version of the game. What we played with, I would have been happy to purchase and take home. <laughs> Uh, except maybe the game board. The game board was a, a roll-up mat instead yeah. of a, a fold-out that we had to tape down to the table. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, uh, everything is great quality. Everything uh, is very easy to read. Everything is easy to follow. Sometimes with board games that have a, a higher level of detail and complexity, sometimes cards and pieces can be hard to read. A lot of information is crammed in there. But you guys really... Uh, have an excellent layout. Everything is easy to follow, easy to understand. Uh, even collecting all the resources, the little bits and pieces that make it all work, not complicated. Everything makes perfect sense. I will, I will, I will call out the, at this point. Uh, our graphic designer for this game was a fellow by the name of Lee Moyer, um, who is a uh, artist and uh, a graphic uh, fellow who has been around in the in the game biz for a long time. Uh, Lee actually is the guy who uh, partnered up with Keith Baker on the doom that came to Atlantic City uh, game. So one of the things that I did when I st first started getting serious about taking Ultimate Scheme from uh, away from being a, a doodle on a, on, a, on a big piece of board <laughs> and saying, okay, I need to actually start to look at what a real board's going to look like, uh, I went to Lee and, you know, I asked him, hey, can you, uh, you know, here's what we got. And, and uh, Lee was able to kind of generate for us not only the, the great-looking game board, uh, but things like all the, all the uh, resource icons, you know, are, are basically his art. Just elegant things like the uh, like the the designs for like the backs of the action cards, right? That sort of like black and gold A, uh, uh, the scheme cards that say you know uh, uh, you know criminal subversion genius, right? The you know all those little touches of just a really sharp professional bit of graphic design. That all comes from Lee's uh, Lee's great work, and we discovered that we could actually. Uh, as it turns out, uh, lay out the cards, do a kind of a quick and dirty layout of the cards, and get them printed by uh, uh, DriveThruRPG's uh, print-on-demand card printer. Uh, so we could actually generate a great-looking set of demo cards for ten bucks, right? Once we'd actually, you know, uh, you know, put the graphic design work in, it was, it was next to nothing to actually spin out some some good cards for, uh, for showing the game off and. And uh, the fact that you kind of took note of that and, and appreciated the, the polish of the demo, you know, I think it shows it, man. That's As a designer, you, uh, you're always going to be working with prototypes of some kind, but the, the point where you can kind of get things looking as final as you can, then, you know, it's, it's totally to your advantage.
Well, I think as a, a playtester and someone who enjoys uh, pretending to be a, a game designer. Come on, we're all, we're all game designers, really. I mean, who, who hasn't, you know, fixed a feat or figured out this spell would work a lot better if, you know, ever, everyone does that, right? It's... A- absolutely. I, I think in, uh, in something we said in one of our shows, as soon as you sit behind that GM screen for the first time, you start understanding what it takes to be a, an amateur game designer. Uh, so, so it's very cool to hear that you have a lot of work going into Ultimate Scheme as you were developing it, but uh, you, you were still able to maintain the uh, quality and polish that fans have come to expect from you as a designer and Sas- Sasquatch Game as a studio. Uh, the Kickstarter itself is pretty straightforward, uh, a lot of cool pledges. You're going to get the game. Let's be honest. That's what we care about. Well, you know, it, it's funny because uh, board game Kickstarters are, in a lot of ways, a lot flatter than uh, RPG Kickstarters uh, because there really is not a whole lot of room for the very binary decision of did you pledge for a copy of the game or did you not, <laughs> right? You know, so with an RPG, there's all kinds of things like uh, you could potentially offer, well, this kind of supplement or that kind of supplement or we'll give you access to these bonus adventures or those bonus adventures. So with an RPG, you might be able to design something that's got like, oh, like, you know, 12 or 15 different pledging levels. But board game Kickstarters kind of don't need that. You really just want to keep them a little bit simple and straightforward and tell people, hey, here, here's what we can do for you. This is, this, is, this is how we can get you a game. In our case, we did come up with an idea uh, for a, a, a second pledge level, which is essentially getting Ultimate Scheme and what we think of as the first expansion of the game, which is what we call Plan Number B. Uh, and yes, you heard that correctly. It is plan number B because, you know, you got to make fun of stuff like that. That's a very evil genius kind of title. I'm 100% behind you. Uh, but plan number B is uh, basically going to be the, the, the guts of that expansion are uh, because Ultimate Scheme is essentially a, a card moderated game, right? You, you're drawing action cards. You're, you're completing uh, evil schemes that are, that are basically uh, summed up on, on scheme cards. Uh, the, way, the easy way to expand the game is simply... Let's make more cards uh, that you can you can add to the game that will let you do more things. So plan number B will have uh, bonus action cards, new factions, uh, new ultimate schemes. Depending on how it goes, I'd like to actually introduce a, a whole new group of, of scheme cards. Because uh, right now the game has uh, the scheme cards uh, sorted into three groups. There's criminal, subversion, and genius schemes. Uh, I'd like to add a fourth category called control schemes, uh, which kind of represent a theme of uh, the evil genius is taking over by uh, working from the inside, right? Seizing control of, of government agencies, uh, corporations, uh, mainstream type things, uh, so that you actually have a sense of, uh, you know, just one more way to try and take over the world, right? Is actually get elected. Social commentary aside, I'm pretty excited about that option. Well, the other fun thing we'll do that one too is uh, we'll probably, uh, uh, we have some ideas about tying it into what we call the... Uh, you mentioned we mentioned the ninja before. Um, we're going to try to include a uh, another piece that we refer to as the Interpol agent, um, and the Interpol agent is a guy. Uh, it's a piece that'll uh, with your plan number B will will basically be kind of kited around the board by by the schemes you're pulling off, and wherever the Interpol agent is parked, uh, you might be shutting down that site for the turn, so you can't draw resources there. You can't accomplish schemes there. And the clever way to play the game will be not only can you throw those sharp elbows at people by, by you know, scooping them on resources or playing nasty action cards against them, 
you'll also be able to drag the Interpol agent in front of them and get that guy in their way. Uh, so block their schemes that way. Oh, man, that's just so mean and underhanded. I love it. <laughs> so uh, in, in, on top of getting the game, potentially getting that first expansion, uh, you actually have a chance at some of the higher pledge levels to make your own mark on Ultimate Scheme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a, uh, a level available to uh, basically give us a villainous idea, and we will work with you to translate that into uh, a nice scheme for uh, plan number B. Uh, you know, for example, if you've always told yourself, man, I, I wish there was a scheme for... Uh, I'm now trying to find an example. You know, I, I, I want to uh, paint both end zones the same team name in a big game. <laughs> and fool everybody because uh, that actually happened with the Super Bowl did you hear about that uh, if that was part of your villainous scheme and you said that you were really excited about that you said we want this to be a, a card in the game okay we will work with you we'll make that a card in the game uh, we'll also uh, have a level for people who want to uh, create their own villainous faction and once again we'll work with people to uh, uh, to do that we've uh, got a couple of folks already who have jumped on that so if you want to have uh, your particular portrait get associated with with Dr. Despair uh, and you want to have a Dr. Despair faction? Awesome. We will work with you and make Dr. Despair a faction. That's a, that, first of all, that's fun for us, right? Because that's a, you know, a chance to be creative and, and take a fun idea and figure out how to, how to make it work in the setting. Uh, and, and secondly, you know, uh, we're getting a chance to really do something kind of, I think, a little fun, special, and unique for, uh, you know, for a fan who, who, who you know, supporting our work in a big way. That's, that's a great thing for us to do for someone. Cool, cool. Well, it is always good to see a design studio that is willing to work with its fans. Uh, I think crowdfunding and social media really helps uh, fans connect with people like you, Rich, who are designing this stuff. Uh, you, you've been in the industry for a long time. You've got a lot of skill and experience under your belt, but you still love sitting down and playing games and, and talking with people about it. So being able to connect with you and Sasquatch Game Studio with a cool project like this, well, first off, it wouldn't have existed before crowdfunding became a thing a few years ago. And uh, it, it's just really fun. It's cool to watch a game develop. It's cool to say, hey, I was part of that. I, not only did I buy the game because I loved it, but see this thing here? This is kind of mine. So that's cool. That's really, really fun. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, have a, a Caleb Wins card, you know, we, we're we reasonable. We can figure out a way to make that work. I absolutely need a card that just says I win no matter what game I'm playing. That's That might be my favorite thing ever. Yeah, uh, definitely with, like, the uh, the ability uh, to, to keep in touch with people. Because, I mean, it used to be, uh, certainly when I started in the business, right, you know, how do you actually find out what people want? You, you really had to kind of uh, – you know, hit the pavement. You had to go to a zillion conventions. You had to talk to people, you know, face to face all the time. And, and that was great, but you can only get a fairly small cross section then of the people who happen to be available that weekend could make to that show and ran into you physically. Uh, and these days with the ability of things like, you know, Facebook, we, I will note by the way that uh, Sasquatch game studio does have a nice Facebook page. We pay a lot of attention to. So uh, please, you know, uh, follow us on Facebook, but it's a way that we can actually uh, keep in touch with people, you know, kind of more or less continuously. And, be able to uh, throw fun news out, uh, tell people what we're up to, um, ask them, uh, ask them their opinion on on fun fun designy challenges we run into. Like 
one of the ones that we're wrestling with, and this is kind of silly, but we have this organization in Ultimate Scheme called Wraith. W-R-A-I-T-H. Because it just looks cool, you know, and, and Spectre was taken in it already. But, <laughs> but it's like, okay, so what does is, what is Wraith stand for? We have no idea. It looks great on the card, but, you know, we're still waiting for a fan to come along and tell us, no, no, this is totally what Wraith should stand for. So that's the fun sort of stuff we can do now that, you know, is easier these days because of social media. Well, that's fun. That That's definitely cool. Uh, being able to interact with everyone is, I think, one of the most important parts about any sort of gameplay. For, for me, playing role-playing games, playing board games is all about the, the social aspect. Uh, as much as I love having dinner with my friends and family and just spending an evening hanging out, I think it's a lot more fun when we can all connect and participate with a certain event. We generate stories, we generate memories it's always great to be able to interact with people like that. So it, it's always wonderful to hear that you guys as a design studio are willing to embrace that part of our hobby and just get everybody on board. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, you know, we love games too. We play them all the time, right? That's, that's why we're in this line of work because <laughs> it's a chance for us to do what we love. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, something I was curious about is, Really, how did Ultimate Scheme get started? What was the birth of this idea? Um, well, Ultimate Scheme's a, a it, it's it's definitely kind of a, a brainchild of mine, right? It's a it's a game where uh, after we did our first uh, Primeval Fool uh, Kickstarter and and uh, delivered the Primeval Fool setting for uh, you know Pathfinder and Thirteenth Age and Four E, we kind of asked ourselves, all right, what do we want to do next? All three of us, uh, me and uh, Steve Schubert and Dave Noonan, the three Sasquatches, we were all big uh, uh, board game fans too. And we said, well, you know, you know, RPG settings are fun, but let's 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 kind of explore a couple of different types of projects. Let's see what happens when we do a, a a board game. Kind of the most direct inspirations for me on Ultimate Scheme would be uh, I'm a huge fan of of the old uh, Steve Jackson game Illuminati. Uh, in fact, it uh, it came out. Um, couple years before I went off to college and 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 I really spent like entire semesters of my college career uh, playing Illuminati to the uh, detriment of my grades but uh, <laughs> I've always kind of you know had in the back of my head and it's just like I kind of want to do something sort of fun that's uh, a little bit conspiracy like but also just kind of the the more uh, you know zany mad science uh, bond villain leaning towards the kind of funnier end of the spectrum right that I really kind of saw the the opportunities there to do something kind of humorous and interestingly enough this would have been, gosh, uh, maybe like the summer of 2011. I sat down and I had an opportunity to play uh, the game Lords of Waterdeep uh, during its uh, playtesting uh, at, at the Wizards' offices. Uh, uh, because, you know, I, I worked just, you know, two offices over from, uh, uh, from Peter Lee and Rodney Thompson. And the thing that I instantly realized in playing Lords of Waterdeep is, you know, these buildings are great, but you know what these buildings could be? These buildings could be, they could be organizations, right? And putting an agent into a building could be, I am inserting a guy into an organization to make that organization do what I want. That basic idea of what would happen if you took a game that had that sort of worker placement mechanic that uh, Lords of Waterdeep does so well and bolted in, uh, combined it with that conspiracy, mad science, evil genius, you know, shtick that I, I loved from way back in the day. I said, man, there's a, there's definitely a game to be made there for that. So uh, that really kind of got me off and running on the idea of what Ultimate Scheme could be as far as like the basic skeleton of Euro-style mechanics, using your agents to take things over and do things. 
then uh, doing it with a bit of a lighthearted bit of humor involved in it, right? So that you're doing, you know, you're taking over the world, but you're doing funny things like, you know, creating a dance craze or marketing evil soda, you know, all kinds of just nutty plans, right? So that's essentially where uh, the idea for Ultimate Scheme came out of. I, I knocked out a draft of it actually pretty quick. It only took me, you know, maybe a week or so to actually get a workable version of the game put together from that inspiration. But then, of course, the devil's in the details, right? When you, when you make a board game, it's all about iteration. You're going to try something. You're going to play it a bit. Sometimes you get about halfway through the game you're playing, and or at that point you're like, okay, I already saw everything I needed to see here. This didn't work. <laughs> I got to I gotta go back. I have to reiterate. I have to try a different thing. I have to fix this mechanic. I have to fix this interaction. Uh, whoops, say, uh, my wife's telling me that the ninja can't be found when she needs him. I'm going to have to add a space on the board where you can go get the ninja if you can't do anything else. <laughs> so all kinds of fun stuff like that. So what is something that uh, really had a big change or development from uh, that initial conception to where we are now as you've been working on it? That's a good question. There, there's definitely a couple. I mentioned the turn sequence earlier that uh, that was a relatively late-breaking development that I think really kind of put the icing on the cake on, on, uh, for, on the game for me. Early on in the game, I used a, a fairly standard victory point track and so every time you executed a scheme, you earned a certain number of victory points, kind of based on how, how fancy the scheme was. But playing the game uh, with our, our typical Thursday night group of, of guys, uh, one of the fellows that I play with a lot, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Jesse Stratton, Jesse finally kind of sat back and said, you know, the victory points are okay, but, you know, why are we not just playing to, to see who, who gets there first? And I thought about that, and I, I at first I kind of thought, well, you know, that's kind of nuts, right? There's... There's lots of very good Euro-style games that make very good use of that, that, that point track, and it works great for them. But, you know, uh, the fact that Jesse brought it up made me, made me think about it. And so I came back to the idea of, all right, well, maybe there is a way to kind of uh, do something that's a little bit different and new in this space and make this game more about racing to get your scheme done first. Uh, so that's a, that was a place where I made a pretty big course change and came back in later on with a version of the game where you are the, the, the scoring for the schemes is actually way less important than actually getting a certain number of schemes done and having the right type of schemes done uh, and making those the condition that you were looking for in your ultimate scheme. Because previously the ultimate scheme card had essentially been like a victory point kicker where you would say, okay, uh, hey, I was working on ruining Christmas. And so ruining Christmas, ruining Christmas uh, meant that I would score bonus points for getting unobtainium schemes done. Uh, and now Ruin Christmas is uh, to win, you have to total up 10 progress points worth of schemes, two of which uh, must be unobtainium. Uh, so it's a, it's a different way of approaching it, and it means that the things you are doing uh, on the board, you are trying to, it, it's no longer a, a sort of afterthought. It really is, I can't win until I do this. And it lets me tell a better story with the Ultimate Schemes too, I think, which is fun. I had a lot of fun with that element of the game when I played it last year. Uh, I think that that's kind of the core of the strategy behind Ultimate Scheme. It, it's not just getting points and winning, it's getting points and winning in the right way. And I think that, honestly, I mean, I've, I've only played the game once, but I think that's what will add to the replayability. Oh, yeah. It's not just getting the most points every single time, it, it's playing the different factions and cards and saying, Okay, what am I really doing this time? Now it's a little bit different. Now my strategy is different. There's a lot of fun in that. Oh yeah, 
Uh, certainly the replayability, I think, is actually one of the strongest points because there's, you know, there, there's 10 different factions in the basic set, and each faction has its own uh, special faction power. And you might have one of 10 different ultimate schemes, which are going to make you chase different things in every game. So one game you're looking at saying, man, I got to I gotta find schemes in South America. The next game you're like, oh, I'm looking for occult schemes, and I don't care where they're located. And another one, still you might be saying, okay, I actually don't care about the resources I'm after. I don't care about where they take place, but I'm looking for schemes that involve anarchy. Right? So there's plenty of replayability in that your, your ultimate scheme is going to kind of guide your experience every time and make you chase different things. Cool, cool. Uh, like I said, I had a lot of fun with that. That, that, uh, that. That's what makes the game special and unique. So, so I love that part of it. Anything else that was a, a really cool development change or something special you worked on and, and filled around with a lot to get it right? Um, I, said, I, I talked about the scoring. I talked about the, uh, the turn sequence. Um, the other thing about the turn sequence is I, I, I did cut the game down. Originally, I was letting you uh, move your minions and gather resources no matter how many minions you had on the board. So if you actually got into a situation where you had four or five minions on the board, uh, you could be gathering a ton of resources compared to somebody who only had two minions on the board. Uh, and I realized uh, games should be designed either to have a, a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop, right? There's some, you, you might think of it as uh, this is a feature that, that, runs, that makes the, the leader get up and run away and brings the game to an end fast. Or this is a game that's designed to have catch-up features so that when you get ahead, it's harder to stay ahead because the game is starting to favor people who are behind a little more. Uh, in general, I'm getting into some crazy game design philosophy now, but so indulge me for just a moment. Hey, I love hearing this. Believe me, this is cool. Yeah. Uh, in general, I tend to favor games that have that sort of negative feedback loop because I, I like, you know, who likes being so far out of a game that you're, you're sorry you're sitting there anymore, right? You're, when you're looking up at the leader and he's galloping away from you, you feel bad. So I tend to, you know, put together games that, that, We'll try to favor the guy who's dragging behind a little bit, make it easier for him to catch up. Uh, but with Ultimate Scheme, I kind of decided relatively deliberately to not do that because I figured I want this game to have a relatively quick play time. So the nice thing about Ultimate Scheme right now is it does play out in about uh, an hour to an hour and a half. The first time through, it'll take an hour and a half because you're trying to figure things out. But once you kind of know how to play it, you'll knock out a game, usually about an hour, hour and ten minutes. You know, and that's, that's pretty good. But part of that is because and that kind of goes back to the idea that I originally had said I'm going to be fairly aggressive about putting positive feedback loop mechanisms into the game so that as you get ahead, you're going to keep on getting ahead and really kind of wind up potentially uh, sweeping the board a bit, right? That, that if you get four or five minions out there and you really got your stuff together, you're going to t gather a ton of resources. You're going to knock out a big scheme every turn. And you're, you're going to get the game to a conclusion just that much faster. The thing I found was that was making a, uh, the individual player turns just take forever because just the sheer amount of, of management of keeping track of which of your minions have moved, how many, which of your minions have gathered resources, the stack of resources you're getting every turn was actually getting a little bit daunting. So that's a place where I, I came back and I said, okay, even though this is my initial intent was to let this become a runaway train and steamroller people, I think I'm going to put a rule in that takes it back in the other direction and says every turn pick two of your minions, no matter how many you have, and move them. Every turn pick two of your minions, no matter how many you have, and gather resources with them. So the guy who's got five minions and the guy who's got two minions aren't really that far apart in the game state. 
right? The, the guy who's got five engines just has more options available to him. He's able to kind of scatter around the world a little bit more. Maybe he's got people who are likely to be more closer to where he really needs them to be, but he's not taking in two and a half times the resources of the guy who's only got two people on the board. In fact, you can play a perfectly fine game and never having more than two minions uh, if you get, you know, if you're able to move efficiently, you kind of get a little bit lucky with your, uh, with your, with your card draws, and, and I think that's kind of fun. So that's a place where I sort of started off with a, essentially leaning towards one direction as far as like the feedback loop, and wound up bringing it back in the other direction because I wanted to speed the game up. I wanted it to be a little more fun for people who were, even though I knew it would make the game potentially take longer to resolve in the sheer amount of, of time it would take to to play through. I also wanted to make sure that each individual player uh, had a faster turn. So you get more turns this way, and the turns are resolved faster. You have less time to go get a slice of pizza in the middle of the game, which might be a bug. I don't know. <laughs> you know, personally, I don't want to walk away from this game because I'm worried about what everyone else will do while I'm gone. So I, I definitely like staying engaged. <laughs> um, that's cool. I, I like hearing that kind of stuff, Rich. I mean... I, I'm sure our listeners like uh, that peek behind the curtain, so to speak. But me personally, I'm really kind of jonesing to learn more about game design and game structure. So hearing you talk about what really goes into the philosophy behind a game and the mechanics you're really using is just absolutely fascinating to me. Oh, cool. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't care if anyone else did. Sorry, audience. You can fast forward through that part if you didn't want to, but I, I love hearing about that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so why don't we talk a little bit about uh, where Ultimate Scheme might go next. Uh, we've talked about the, uh, the potential expansion pack, uh, plan number B. You've got a couple stretch goals listed on the Kickstarter page. I am certain that Ultimate Scheme will come to existence after this Kickstarter ends. So what do you guys want to do next with it after you complete this first initial run? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I would, uh, when I, when I kind of look ahead, it's like, okay, we can, I would like to consider an expansion where we uh, change up the game board. Because, I mean, I, I love the game board. I think it's great. Uh, but one of the conspicuous ab absences is everyone kind of asks me, it's like, so where's Australia? And it's like, oh, Seriously, <laughs> you know, and and you know, my, my my snap answer was to say, well, fine, I'll I'll put a couple of sites out there for Australia and and draw some circles on the board and put some resources in them and and, and I, I kind of stopped myself from doing that because I haven't had a chance to play that variant enough to know what it does, to have more spots to go, to have different kinds of resources to gather, and rather than try to do it fast and risk doing it poorly, you know, I'm I was like, you know, the game's really balanced very nicely as it is. Uh, sure, people would like to see some more spots on the board. I don't know what that does for how much players interact with each other. I don't know what it does for play, for, for game lane. I'm going to take that back to the drawing board. I want to work on that a little bit more carefully. And we can bring that out as potentially either a second edition of, of Ultimate Scheme down the road or perhaps even a better expansion, right? If, uh, if I could actually, we can actually put a game board in uh, and, and now, it's a, now, it's a, you know, now it's a bigger expansion. We have more pieces. Uh, more different kinds of resources. We can drop in a bunch more cards, you know. So, plan number B is 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 definitely kind of doing a uh, a resource at uh, a, a part of me resource an expansion that is targeted uh, towards uh, playing with the card set that makes up so much of the engine of the game. The ex 
expansion that would come after that uh, would be something we would actually take back and play around with uh, the resources and the, and the play area. I have ideas for things like, you know, it would be fun if there's a spot in the map for going to the moon, you know, or a spot in the map for, hey, you can go to Dimension Z. Uh, I don't know what Dimension Z is, but, you know, there's probably cool stuff there, and it's a hidden site that you have to figure out how to get to. All kinds of fun things like that. Neat. I really like the game as it is now. I've only gotten to play it once, but I think everything is is very nicely structured. There's not too many choices on the map, but there's enough choices to keep players engaged. It's not like a game of Risk, where there's a, a zillion different places you can go. There's a limited number of locations you go to, but I felt with those locations, everything makes a lot of sense. That's a common feature of worker placement games, is you don't want to have somebody have that sort of analysis paralysis of, okay, I don't understand where I should put my meeple, <laughs> right? You know, there's, there's 30 different spots. Which one's the best for me? You need to constrain that to a reasonable number of choices uh, that, that are all significant and do different things. But that being said, I definitely want to go to the moon. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> I, uh, I seem to remember one of the variations of risk I think when you were playing in the future, oh, yeah. there was a moon map. Risk 2240, was that the name of it? or it was? Yeah, it, it was some random date, which absolutely corresponds to nuclear war and robots, of course. <laughs> I loved going to the moon and just throwing nukes at people. Oh, yeah. Which isn't exactly what you do in Ultimate Scheme. Maybe you'd end up at the moon and you're throwing moon burgers at people, and that's how you take over, or something crazy like that. But... Uh, but yeah, that'd be really cool. That would be very fun to see. So yeah, Ultimate Scheme is an awesome game. I, I'm very, very happy with it. It is a fun game to play. It's, it's one of those games that you can play very quickly, but you still have a great time doing it. So everyone needs to swing over to kickstarter.com and check out Ultimate Scheme. It's very reasonably priced. And you get a lot of bang for your buck. This is a very well-made game, and it is definitely something that needs to be on your shelf. But, Rich, uh, you guys are doing still a little bit more than just focusing on Ultimate Scheme. Over at Sasquatch Game Studio, you guys have some other stuff going on, and I think there's some other things that are out on shelves right now, right? Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, just uh, let me see about the... Uh Oh, a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, we released our uh, our Primeval Fool 5th Edition was released in, into, uh, into uh, distribution. You can go down and uh, check that out at your friendly local gaming store. Primeval Fool is basically a setting of, uh, well, we kind of describe it uh, tongue-in-cheek as it, it's Conan meets Cthulhu. This is a sword and sorcery setting. It's uh, 20,000 years ago uh, before the uh, glaciers covered the ancient kingdoms of the northern world. There is a time of barbarians and saber-toothed tigers and woolly mammoths and serpent men and cults of set and all kinds of fun stuff that you would ever find in a, a mashup of uh, Robert E. Howard and good touch of uh, guys like uh, Lovecraft and uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. There's a fair amount of Lost World aspects to the uh, to Thule. Um, and it's basically just a, a, a great D&D setting for barbarians and thieves and, and sly sorcerers and a, a kind of different take. It, it's sort of inspired by, uh, in some ways, uh, like uh, Dark Sun, uh, kind of, uh, in a lot of ways, is intended to capture uh, Barsoom, right? Uh, it was uh, John Carter of Mars uh, was sort of rooted in the uh, the background of Dark Sun in a lot of ways. This is taking 
the you know the idea of, of Pellucidar and Conan and the the sorts of stories that uh, guys like Clark Ashton Smith wrote back in the day, uh, because you know the interesting thing is guys like uh, Lovecraft and uh, Robert E. Howard and Clark Ashton Smith they knew each other they wrote for the same magazines they shared so many elements of their of their stories with each other. This is kind of an homage to, to that sort of thing. It's a uh, it's a uh, Frank Frazetta D and D if you want to think of it that way and. You know, it's a ton of fun. It's it's available in your stores now in the in fifth edition. Um, we also have versions for the Pathfinder uh, role playing game, the Thirteenth Age role playing game, and you know we might even sell a few fourth edition ones around too. So we have it. Uh, uh, the nice hardbound is out of the, the game stores. We also have uh, at Drive Through RPG and uh, uh, Paizo. Uh, we have the PDF adventures. We have a number of different adventures that are available now. So it's good stuff, or at least I think so. Oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, Michael is a huge fan of Primeval Thule. Uh, He just latched onto that uh, setting. He loves it to death. I I think he actually got to play in one of the games you ran at Gen Con in Primeval Thule, uh, maybe last Gen Con. Yep, yep. And and I think that might have been the highlight of his life, (laughs) let alone of Gen Con. He absolutely loves all of it. I have read through a lot of it it's, it's a very cool game setting i personally i love all the lovecraftian stuff i love oh, sure. that really pulpy sword and sorcery uh i mean you you can't help but love uh the old uh, arnold schwarzenegger conan movies oh I mean, yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are just brilliant those are wonderful uh so being able to goof around with that type of setting and genre is really really fun in an rpg so everyone needs to check out that kind of stuff as well. Sasquatchgamestudio.com is where uh, Rich and his fellow Sasquatches can be found working on this stuff. Uh, drive through RPG and, of course, your local game store as well. But definitely while you're doing that, swing over to Kickstarter and make Ultimate Scheme happen. Uh, Rich, anything else we want to throw out to the listeners as we are wrapping up here tonight? You know, I, I I think that's I think that's pretty good. I think we kind of covered it. <laughs> Those are the things that are certainly on my mind uh, uh, a, a whole lot these days. Uh, it's kind of funny. Obviously, we, we do have some longer range plans for kind of like what the next board game might be after after Ultimate Scheme, what the uh, what the next uh, RPG setting might be. Uh, but right now, when you're in the middle of the Kickstarter, man, that that's as uh, that's as big as a truck on the highway bearing down on you, right? That's <laughs> that that's kind of what you uh, you know wake up and eat, breathe, and sleep all you know the whole day. It's it's good stuff. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's happening right now, and and man, we're excited about it. Cool, cool, yeah. Kickstarter campaigns are definitely something that take over your life when they are happening. So, uh, best of luck to you, Rich, and the rest of Sasquatch Game Studio. I will eagerly be watching this thing play out and. Uh, watching everything develop. Um, thank you so much for spending an hour with me tonight, Rich. It was awesome speaking with you. Thank you. Hey, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. And uh, that is going to be it for the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com 
and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash vrpgacademy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, VKLG, at VKLG. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>